Hey guys, how are you? So welcome to your next stop podcast with Juliette Hahn. I am super excited. I actually just had a clubhouse room and it's really funny because I saw this person come up on stage and ask a question. And when she left the question, I was like, wait a second, that's Angela Batsy, and I'm going to be interviewing her. So welcome, Angela. Hi, Juliet. Nice to be here. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to your next stop. Yes, it's so funny. Literally, you went down in the in the audience, and I, in my head, I was like, "Wait a second, that's I think that's Angela that I'm interviewing." So I just have to say, I'm really excited about this because this is not something that I uh, what you do is not in my realm. It's uh, out of my realm, and so I love learning about where, where how you became an architect, coach, and also an architect. So I can't wait for you to share your story. Sure. So it kind of starts from a really early age. I was the kid who climbed on top of the refrigerator or hid under the coffee table. And part of why I like doing that was I noticed that the room felt different. And so space has always had a multi-sensory kind of quality to me. Now, I did not put two and two together at all. I wanted to be an astronomer and then a teacher and then a painter. And that's kind of when my mother decided she better direct me to something where I could make some money. So she's actually the one that had me tour an architecture firm. And finally, so much of my life made sense, you know, because it just had never occurred to me. And it's a lot of the, if you can see it, you can be it. And right, nobody I knew was an architect, so it had never occurred to me. Well, when I got to architecture school, what really excited me was the way that the spaces that people have built for themselves throughout time reflect their culture and reflect their society and even sometimes are intentionally made to intimidate or communicate certain messages and I studied things like the psychology of habitation. And I just was, you know, really excited to be in this world. And as I've worked as an architect, I've kind of geeked out on things like neurology and psychology and anthropology and sociology and all the ways that we really can be impacted by the environment that we surround ourselves with. I'm going to stop you for a second because I, so I have, I'm a very curious person. So I like think of questions. So first of all, when you said the thing about getting on top of the refrigerator, so I was that kid, I climbed on top of refrigerators. So when you said that, I was like, that's so interesting. I wonder if I was also thinking, oh, I could see the world in a different way and it just never came to mind. So I, I love that you had that uh, perspective, like at, at such a young age that you were like, oh, this is so interesting. 
and under tables. And I was a very active kid. I think mine probably was more because I was just a little bit crazy. (laughs) So I just was all over the place. But when did your mom take you into the architect firm? Like what age were you? Do you remember? So I was 17 at the time, getting ready to go into my senior year and apply to colleges. So So smart. Your mom is definitely (laughs) an introspective person as well. Yeah, she, she put the pieces together before I did which is really interesting. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so so she, you went into this firm, then you realized this is what I want to do. So you applied to college, you're in college. And I love how you said, because I, it's so interesting how you also had the intuitiveness to think about, okay, design does not only just mean a structure. It's also something that's internal. So take us through that. So all the classes that you were taking. Sure. So it really resonated with me, the history and the theory classes that I took actually minored in architectural history and organizational behavior because what motivated people really fascinated me. And one class that was particularly influential was called the psychology of habitation. And one of the things we got to do was look at research for design of Alzheimer's facilities. And it was amazing to realize how much of a difference you could make to empower somebody who was having cognitive problems just by reinforcing wayfinding. So having color themes and plant themes and art themes, letting them personalize outside of their rooms or how you could deter behavior. So Alzheimer's causes problems with depth perception. So if you have a series of stripes on the floor, someone with Alzheimer's will see that as level changes or steps and they won't walk over there. So it just really got me excited about how when we take the time to learn a little bit more about how we navigate our environment and make decisions that we can really support people through the way that we design. I love that. I love that. And you know, it's um, funny that you said that. So one of my, I'm going to bring this up because it it just reminded me, one of my closest friends uh, had frontal lobe dementia in her early forties. It was a very free, crazy thing. And she was put in a home an old, an old person's home for dementia and Alzheimer's and frontal lobe dementia. But because she was so young, she had so much energy. Um, her family had to find a very specific space for her because she loved to run and she loved to do things. So when you said that, cause I used to go visit her every Friday and I would you know spend time with her in the home. And when you said that this home it looked like it was beautiful. They had a, a, it's called Maplewood and they have a bunch uh, throughout Connecticut area, but it was very, the design was almost like a hotel and very beautifully, but like a very nice hotel. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it was a beautifully mm-hmm. aesthetic place. And when you just said that, it's funny because there was a patio that had the bricks. And I remember she was always very fascinated with that, especially as her frontal lobe dementia kind of, you know, started getting worse and worse. So that's so interesting. So what what year was that, that you were taking those classes? It was the early nineties. So like 19, I think I took this particular class, the psychology of habitation in 1991. Research was just starting to emerge. A lot of this stuff came out of sociology in the sixties and seventies, but then a lot about neurology really started to explode on the scene with MRIs. And especially, they're called fMRIs, and they record a different 
kind of activity in the brain. So they were able to study a lot more about how the brain works and how and why people process information certain ways. Right. So I love that. Okay. So you knew when you got to college, like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. And so you were studying and now when you were studying these classes, was, did your shift in mindset ever change? Were you like, okay, no, and now I kind of want to go into more of the brain or it was like, no, I want to combine these two. Yeah. You know, what is interesting is that I actually call it the culture of design because there is something about the design professions and the way they are taught that because they're iterative you never are right. You never are done. You can never trust your gut. And the first answer will never be right. And the bulk of your time is spent in these studio classes where your work is being critiqued. And you're encouraged to work long hours, pull all nighters. And I really kind of rebelled against that. I mean, I remember my second year just being so angry at how a crit had gone and thinking they want me to drop out and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> just to spite <laughs> them, I'm going to stay in this program. And it was these other kinds of classes that I think kept me in the program because I needed to learn how to create these spaces if I wanted to have an impact. So for me, that was really what was the glue was knowing that it wasn't enough just to understand how space affected people, but I wanted to make a difference. I love that. Okay. So when you graduated, what, like how quickly did you decide, okay, I want to start a podcast. I want to go into the coaching aspect of it too, which the coaching aspect is more of the psychology, the brain and all of that. So when you graduated college, did you get into like, did you work for an architect firm? Take us through that a little bit. Sure. So I initially graduated at a time when we were in a recession and I worked at a museum. <laughs> so okay. not, not an architecture firm, which then made me decide that I would go to graduate school in a part of the country that was doing better economically than where I was, which was in the Northeast Ohio area, and go from there. And the good thing about getting my master's degree and the school I chose was that I could take graduate level classes in any subject I wanted. I didn't have a single prerequisite and it was only a year long program. So already oh, that's had right. a professional degree. And that year was life changing for me because when you have a chance to focus on doing what you love, you develop so much more clarity. If I had gotten a job as soon as I graduated, I would have done whatever they asked me to do. I would have been happy to get a broad range of experience because you need that to get your license as an architect. Instead, you know, they always say things happen for you, not to you. And this was a classic example of it that what to me was so shameful and disappointing that I didn't get a job when I graduated actually opened so many doors. And it was in graduate school that I studied like evolution of spaces. So I did my thesis on telecommuting and the home and how 
our spaces have evolved over time and what we understand as home and expect home to be has evolved over time, which in these days is incredibly timely because we're totally. flipping right back to the idea of home and work being commingled. Right. And I think I love what you said, because I totally got the chills about that. If you followed the path that was that I'm going to do air quotes is that if you followed the path of what you were supposed to do, right? You're supposed to graduate. You're supposed to get a job. You're supposed to then go and get married and have the 2.5 kids. And when I say I, I never followed those, you know, I'm not someone that follows in those paths, but that is what a lot of people are taught as, as children. This is what is expected of you. And that's what their families are taught that if you did that, you wouldn't have had this whole other experience. So that's also where I feel like the universe or God, whoever you believe in, whatever you believe in, I believe in God, that God had your back. He was like, no, you know, I'm going to show Angela what her God-given gifts are, and I'm going to help steer her in that direction so she can do what she is meant to be doing. And so I love that. And that's why I love having this series and having this podcast, because it is really important because when we do find, when we love what we do is when we can light the world on fire and help other people. So thank you for sharing that. Can you let us know where people can find you? I want you to plug yourself right now and then and then sure. continue with the story. Yeah, please. It's architectingpodcast.com. And from there, you can pretty much see the podcast episodes, the coaching programs, and I've got some great free downloads that people can just get started if they want a little clarity or they want to take a quiz. I've got some fun freebies up there as well. And you can join my mailing list. I do not spam you. It's one email a week and it's a very humorous and informative one. And it usually builds on the podcast episodes. I'm also on all the social media. So there's Architecting Podcast on LinkedIn. There is also a Facebook group with the same name and a LinkedIn group and Pinterest. And then I also have a club on Clubhouse. So I do three rooms a week where we talk about different issues. So, okay. And can you also, so the person that might be listening and be like, oh, I'm not into architecture. So this is, podcast is not for me. Can you steer people in the right direction and say, no, that's not true because, and give us a little insight why you know, what you have to offer is really for the masses. I mean, not Absolutely. only because you have your, you know, broad sense of all the things that you learned in school, you can also now, you know, tap into people's, you know, subconscious and all that kind of stuff. So if you could just let us know. Sure. So if you listen to my podcast, you might say, well, you're not talking about buildings at all. And it's because I like to focus on what I call the architecture lifestyle and what it takes to really be creative, which like you said, Juliet, is about being fearless. It's about making the bold moves, about taking the leap. And so many of us get caught up in what I call our limiting beliefs, right? We really don't believe that we can dream as big as we dream. We make ourselves wrong for doing that. So because I am so passionate, as you can probably tell about the impact we can have in the world Part of what I have to focus on is making people feel comfortable that they are doing the right thing by daring to dream big or wanting to make the bold move and giving them the tools they need to get people excited and work with them as opposed to going it alone. So you'll see a lot of 
my material is really helpful for anybody who wants to challenge themselves more creatively or feel more empowered to go after something that they maybe thought was a dream too big. I love that. Okay. So take us also too. So are you practicing architecture out in the world now or are, did you pivot there as well? I did not. Um, what's interesting is in the early part of my career, I focused a lot on community building efforts and working with poor communities and helping them see how design could give them safer, more vibrant communities. Then I relocated from Arizona, where I had gone for my big opportunity economically, um, back to Northeast Ohio because my parents' health had declined. And the firm that I interviewed with there looked at my resume and thought, you do healthcare. And my first response was, I do. I had worked on a forensic lab project and didn't really make sense. But what I found when I started working on healthcare projects is that all the things that I cared about so much mattered times 10 because healthcare is probably one of the few environments, prisons, maybe a second one, where not only does the patient have no control, but the staff has no control. So true. You don't get it right. All you're doing is creating obstacles and the need to develop workarounds for people. So it just really resonated with me to keep working in healthcare. And fast forward to today, I am what's called a medical planner. So I design healthcare spaces and really have a lot of fun because I get to work with clients on the front end and help facilitate innovative ways of doing things. And I get to focus on the experience of design, which is what I love and do research so I am a partner at GBB on Architects and do healthcare. So that that is my day job. I love that. And then and then you you but that's so so you're tapping into a passion and doing that there. But then you realized you could also be a, of an impact if you did also a, your own business. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is another interesting story. At one time, not at my current firm, but this was about to. 11 years ago or so, I was working somewhere that was very toxic, abusive kind of work environment where the attitude was, you'll do what we say because you're lucky you even have a job. Oh. And there was a lot of gaslighting going on. And because of the work I was doing and the things I cared about, sometimes I felt like I was being told to do something that in my mind was 180 degrees the opposite of what would make that environment effective? So I felt really this moment of this crisis of conscience and thought there has to be a better way. That inspired me to write some blog articles. So I would take something I was really mad about and normally you just want to vent. And then I would realize, well, I can't publish that because it's just <laughs> negative. So then I would have to say, well, how could I turn this around? And that idea of whatever it was that was bothering me that particular day, reframing it was sort of a, an interesting thing. And I, about a year into the blog, I started doing coaching because people were reaching out to me and I realized how many people 
were dealing with exactly what I was dealing with and needed that clarity and that inspiration because they would leave a job because they weren't happy. But what really needed to be fixed was inside of them. Right. They weren't living their passion. They weren't any happier about a year into the new job. Right. And that's the thing, because they weren't tapping into a passion of their own. So they were just going through life and the mundane, going through it and being like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I love that you saw that, you saw a need and you created that. That's obviously your go-getter. You're someone that is a a forward thinker. And um, that's what I love about having you on here to highlight because I want people, I want my listeners to listen and be like, okay, she had a nine to five job that she loved that was tapping into a passion, but then she saw a need where she could even help more. And, and you did that. So, and that's where the podcast and your coaching business comes in. So, you know, that's just Angela, I think that's just really fascinating and wonderful that it all started with, you know, a vision that you had when you were little on top of the refrigerator and then your mom kind of seeing that and being a very forward thinker and being like, Oh, let me, let's explore this because being curious And exploring are so important in life because if you don't explore your creative or you don't explore your mind, you're never going to be anything that is really going to tap into your passion. So thank you for sharing that. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really feel very compelled to push people to make a difference in any way I can. So I'm always happy to have the platform to do that. Yes. Well, well, thank you. So the other thing is I ask all my guests, because I don't know if you were around when I was Next Stop Crazy Town, that was the name of my podcast. And I have rebranded to uh, obviously, you know, your next stop. But so I ask all my guests, when you hear the word crazy town, what does that mean to you? To me, it's sort of like the jangle of life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's what I always say. It's, it's, it's my energy, my kids, my dogs, my family, my husband, it's all of that kind of combined my energy and all of that. So I love that you said that because it's life. It's, it's a, it's a fun thing. If we did not have, like, I cannot imagine not having a little crazy town in my, in my life. Cause I would want to poke my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If everything went the way we expected it to go, we would never diverge. We would never discover anything. Yep. I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for joining us. And can you shout out where everyone can find you once again? Sure. It is architectingpodcast.com. And that all all roads lead from there. So just head there and you'll be good. Great. Thank you so much again. Guys, if you liked what you hear, you know what to do. Share, rate, review. Also go over to Angela's and give her a listen and review and subscribe and send it out. This is how we inspire more people to do what they love and to make a difference in this world. Whether it's a small difference or a big, everyone has something to offer. So don't forget to join us every week, Monday and Wednesday for another episode of your your next stop. Thank you. Thanks again. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 